Welcome to episode 30 of Checking the Gate, a film and religion podcast, where every month we look at a different movie and TV show and evaluate its religious content. My name is Robert Wrights Dasko. I am Michael M. Patty, and on this episode we will be discussing the cinematic merits of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, <laughs> and then in TV Corner, The Golden Girls. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, that, I was that, I was saving that. Yeah, that that's uh, that's the next year, Mike. What about uh, oh. what about this month? Uh, Life of Pi and Doctor Who. If, if you listen to episode zero way back from 2011, uh, we kind of it, that was also I believe right after my birthday, which it is today. And Happy birthday, Mike! Thank you, Robert. Uh, and we were uh, talking about Doctor Who then. Uh, just kind of vamping and talking about the most recent episode, and yeah, we're kind of testing out. Yeah, our... testing the equipment, testing the chemistry, T- testing our speaking skills, which yes. have improved slightly over the last several years. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, when you put it that way, I uh, still say, and um, you know more times than I care to admit. And I, I take several long pauses that Robert graciously edits out while I collect <laughs> my thoughts and figure out what I'm going to say. It's better than the vocal stumbling yeah, that I do. This, th- this brilliance <laughs> takes time to formulate, if you can believe that. <laughs> well, shall we hit it? Yes. Life of Pi. I had not seen this movie before watching it for the podcast, and I had several people uh, recommend it to me. It wasn't until a few minutes into the movie where I was like, okay, now I can see where where this is going. So yeah. Why don't you give us a rundown, Mike? I got this at a blockbuster pre-going-out-of-business sale <laughs> uh, over, I believe it was 4th of July. 4th of July or Labor Day. And uh, I picked this and Wreck-It Ralph up for... It was buy one, get one free, so it was a grand total of $14 for two movies I hadn't seen. And I had heard good things about this. Ang Lee uh, directed the first movie based on my favorite superhero character, the Hulk. So I was interested to see his take on a boy alone with a tiger on the sea. And somebody at work recommended it to me, so I picked it up. And Robert wanted to run down, so let's let's do that. It's about a... It starts off with an... Older, not elderly, but a grown-up adult Pi. Pi is the name of the main character. Giving an interview to someone for a reason that's unclear. Someone had told him that his story was interesting, so I guess he yeah he went was over. A, he was a writer who needed to write a book. So yeah, the mutual friend sent him towards Pi. Yeah, and that's neither here nor there the the mutual friend is never seen the book is never finished it's it's the frame story yeah. it's the, um it's the macguffin if you will yes <laughs> so pi tells the writer the story of him growing up about his father and his family and then how he came to be uh i don't say marooned but stranded shipwrecked shipwrecked in a lifeboat with a live tiger his his father was a zookeeper and they were leaving india and they were taking all the animals with them and eventually the only one to make it was the tiger and right. pie 
and one of the earliest lines in the film, the the writer says that their friend told him that Pi's story, quote, would make him believe in God. And that's that was a good uh, jumping off point. I believe that's the part Robert says six minutes or so in. Yeah. One of the preliminary things that's in the film that makes this relevant is that Pi is, I don't want to say unhappy, but he, he's he's searching for meaning searching yeah and decides to convert to every religion yeah <laughs> simultaneous not not sequentially at the same time yeah he starts out as a hindu because uh that's what his mother believed his father was more of a modernist who believed in reason you would call that secular humanism so he's he he believes in that too. I think, even though it's not really a religion, it, it's something that he carries with him, and it's important in the first part of his shipwreck journey. But then he goes into a church on a dare from his brother <laughs> to drink the holy water. And haven't he, we all gone into churches on dares <laughs> at some point? Isn't that how one goes in the first place? <laughs> I think that's how I got my wife to go. <laughs> but. Uh, he becomes a Christian, or he starts out Hindu, uh, secular humanist, then Christian, and then he's drawn to uh, Islam because of the, the ritual. They get shipwrecked, and then he and the tiger, which had the very interesting name of Richard Parker, which every time he said that, I thought, Spider-Man's dead. Spider-Man's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I never, never crossed my mind. Richard Parker. I, I'm a terrible geek. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't get that out of my head. So I'm like, who named a tiger after Spider-Man's dad? But I, I guess they couldn't do Peter Parker because uh, that would get into some lawsuits. Yeah. I don't know what it was in the book. I, I never read the book. Uh, my first exposure to this was watching the movie uh, yesterday. So <laughs> I, I know there. I assume it's Richard Parker in the book, and I assume the author did not name the tiger after Spider-Man's dad. Mike's pulled out the iPod, so I think he's going to find out. But this movie is really interesting because it really does a good job of reflecting the postmodern view. And that is, there are many roads to to God. There's many ways to enlightenment, uh, spirituality, and all are equally relevant and all get you to the same place. And I I heard a story about uh, a Christian man who was talking to a a Buddhist and was doing his best to, you know, share him with him the good news and get him to convert. And finally he did. And the Buddhist man smiled and it's like, wow, this is great. Now I have Christ and Buddha. <laughs> so the, the Christian thought and the, the Western thinking for many years is you have to commit yourself to one thing. Well, of course, the Christian thought is that. How else can the Pope control you? Yeah, well, and that—that's that's the thing. It, it, you have to commit to like one brand of Christianity. Right. You can't be a Catholic and a Methodist. You can't. You can't be a Lutheran and a Mennonite. You know, but those—I think those denominational lines are blurring, because even though I go to a, a Christian and Missionary Alliance church, that's not. I don't label myself. I don't see myself. I don't identify myself with that moniker. I'm a Christian. And and I was I was referring so. to like the you know 11th and 12th century pope. Oh yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I, I want to make that clear. I I was referring to like old school Christianity yeah, where the yeah. medieval Christianity, yes, colonial Christianity. <laughs> 
I found out something interesting when I uh, looked up the Wikipedia. Yeah? The tiger's name being Richard Parker is thematically significant. Okay. Richard Parker is the name of several people in real life and fiction who have become shipwrecked, and some of them subsequently being cannibalized by their fellow seamen. In Edgar Allan Poe's only novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, Richard Parker is a mutinous sailor on a whaling ship, blah, blah, blah. In 1846, the Francis Spate foundered at sea. Apprentice Richard Parker was among the 21 drowning victims, blah, blah, blah. In 1884, the yacht Meng Yacht sank. Four people survived and drifted in a lifeboat before one of them, cabin boy Richard Parker, was killed by the others for food. An- another Richard Parker was involved in the Spithead and Nor mutinies in 1797 and subsequently hanged, but not eaten. Writer Jan Martel included Richard Parker as both a tiger hunter and a Bengal tiger in his 2001 novel, Life of Pi. In the novel, the tiger is set adrift in a lifeboat after a shipwreck with three other animals and a boy, the protagonist. It eats the other animals, but not the boy. The end. Very interesting. Thank you, Wikipedia, for putting that together. I apologize for not having done research beforehand. (laughs) Yesterday was my birthday, and I was very busy. (laughs) Yes. Eating cake. Not people. (laughs) (laughs) show's over Uh, thanks folks (laughs) the the beginning part has a lot to do with the end where as Pi gets on the boat a a zebra jumps in and then a hyena swims aboard and he also finds an orangutan floating on some bananas and they come in the boat and of course Richard Parker eats I think the hyena kills the zebra and then the orangutan, and then Richard Parker, the tiger, eats all of them. And so then at the end of the story, uh, after Pai is rescued, he relates the story to the Japanese uh, merchants who represent the company that owned the ship that was shipwrecked. He tells them the tale, and they don't believe it, so he tells them another story that they would believe. Yeah, I, it, it's more palatable. It involves people. In, yeah. in place of the animals, his mother and yeah, the cook, I think. And, yeah, and another sailor. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the cook, Gerard Depardieu, in a cameo, correct? Yeah. I think he was the, I think that was the, yes. he was the cook. I think, it's Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, I, he was in one scene. Yeah. And so he says, like, the, the cook, um, another sailor and his mother were on the boat with him. And the the cook let yeah, he, the sailor with the broken leg die. It's basically the same story, just with then, people. Yeah, and then he killed the mother, and then he attacked the cook and killed the cook. So the writer who's hearing the story kind of puts it together. Like, okay, mm-hmm. your mother was the orangutan, the sailor was the zebra, the hyena was the cook. That means you were Richard Parker. So there's a little bit of a literary, uh, what do you call that, illusion metaphor there yeah. that's going on. Um, so that, that places doubt in the viewer's mind. Like, yeah. okay, what actually happened? Was it all this kind of fun magical stuff or was it the thing? And then yeah. I asked the writer, well, which story do you prefer? <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, did you find that kind of symbolic of the whole multiple choice religion thing yes. also? Okay. Yeah. Well, you just pick the one that makes sense to you. Yeah. And pick pick the one you like the best. Yeah. It I, and it, it seemed it didn't matter what the truth is. It's truth. There's there's no absolute truth, and this is at the heart of postmodernism. 
There is no absolute truth. It's only relevant to the person who is seeking it, who's finding it, and who's speaking it. So the, the truth for me is different than the truth for Mike. And, and That is the truth. <laughs> but if there's no absolute truth, how can my truth be any truth at all or your truth be any truth? Wouldn't it all be a lie? I'm sorry, I'm making you think too hard on your birthday. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, I wrote I wrote a paper on, on this recently. It was uh, examining some Old Testament theology in light of postmodern thinking. That's um, that's that's like the the thing about known knowns and unknown unknowns, and just <laughs> I, I had a hard time following your sentence. Uh, I yeah, it kind of got away from me. But that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> did did you have any more points to make? Can I? Yeah, g- give us your all right your opinion of, of on the f- filmmaking of this movie. Uh, as previously mentioned, Ang Lee directed. I I can't say it's one of my favorite movies, but it's my favorite character, so I can sit through it. I have probably a higher tolerance than other people do for Ang Lee's Hulk movie. I like it. It's it's okay. It, about 20 minutes needs to be chopped out of it. I would say. And it, it needs to be a little more focused. And it needs to be about Hulk and not Hulk's dad. And it needs to not have shots of lichen and moss growing. I, I know. When he's sitting looking at the desert moss, it's like, okay, this. Yeah. he could lose that, but that's all right. Yeah. Anyway, having seen the Hulk multiple times over the years, it's 10 years old. How did that happen, by the way? <laughs> I, I know. Uh, anyway, it's 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 been ten years. I've seen it a bunch of times. So I saw Life of Pi. And kind of like the multiple truths existing at the same time and the multiple religions existing within Pi, the movie itself is simultaneously one of the most original, visually striking things I have ever seen. I didn't see it in 3D, but I could kind of tell where it was, and it would have been cool. It was actually used dramatically instead of, like, an avatar. Like a gimmick? (laughs) Yeah. And there were shots of... The aspect ratio actually changed, so they could recreate the illusion of fish, like, jumping over the boat at one point. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't notice. Yeah. No, I didn't. So stuff like that. It, it was it was visually stunning. I had a hard time picking out when Richard Parker was CGI and when he was practical. Yeah, that uh, was really good. And at the same time, it was incredibly derivative. No pun intended. Incredibly derivative. In that a lot of the transitions and the same like shot setups, I'd seen them before in in his other work. And I couldn't get, I couldn't stop being reminded of the the comic booky transitions from Hulk. Yeah. And there's a shot where Pi is on his back in the water, and we're looking up, like at the end of the Hulk, with you know after Bruce yeah. is unconscious. Yeah. Okay. And there's, there were a couple more. Is that that kind I, of reflection of the sky. In the yes. Water? Yeah, yes. You're absolutely right. And there are a couple more that I I didn't write them down, and it's been uh, a couple of weeks since I saw it. That's where I'm coming from in, in saying that. He did so many other innovative things, but then also repeated himself. Yeah. The, the only other Ang Lee films I've seen were Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, yeah, I saw that. And, it was okay. And Hulk. I've not seen Brokeback Mountain. And, um, I, I, didn't, I saw Ice Storm. 
That was okay. Uh, Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst. It's okay. It's 70s family angst. Yeah, I have not. It's I, you know, probably not required viewing. Yeah. Yeah, I've not seen that one either. So. The, w- one of the scenes, they have a key party. That's, oh, yeah. 70s, yeah. So, did this movie do what it set out to do? Did it make you believe in God? No. And, see, it really didn't do that for me either. It because it's it's a fictitious story. I mean, yeah. it's I, it was a novel first, and it... Yeah. I, then, I, I, I get it. I get, I get the point, yeah. like what you were saying, and I, I get it, but... It's I I have seen better, more moving, more visually striking, more spiritually significant films than this. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it was it was okay. Like I said, it was a blind buy. I bought it without having seen it, and I traded it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I bought it specifically at the exchange for for this thing, and I don't, I don't think it's going to stay in my collection either, simply because it, it it really didn't have that great an impact on me. Like I was saying in postmodern thinking, the truth is relevant. That witness that he was giving, to use some Christian language, like when we want to share Jesus Christ with people, that we call that witnessing, and we have our, our personal testimony, which is. This is what Christ did for me. And so Pi is relating his story, his witness. And it has an ambiguous ending. Basically, he says, well, there's two versions of the story, and you could pick the one which is best for you. So it doesn't matter what the fact is. And it really doesn't matter what the truth is, because the, the truth for Pi is relevant for him. And it's not relevant for anyone else. It's not relevant for the writer. It's not relevant for me or Mike or anyone else watching the movie, not even Ang Lee. It's it's only relevant to this fictional character in this fictional story, so that's yeah. what, and it doesn't seem to have any relevance for me. So yeah. So if you see it at the red box for a dollar fifty, or you're able to pick it up at, at your last gas blockbuster sale, um, <laughs> and and you really like visual spectacle, go ahead and and check it out. Yeah. Better yet, speaking of checking out, get it from your library. Get it from your library and and see it in it preferably in high definition yeah i mean it's 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 a nice movie to watch once yeah let's put it that way not not 24.99 at best buy <laughs> no and that's all we have to say about that that's our final judgment on life of pi so okay so now it is time to move to tv corner and we shall talk about doctor who To goodness, I am playing with a little 10th Doctor Lego figure right now. Mike got that for Christmas, and I'm, yes, my I'm sister, a jealous. My sister got me the 11 Doctors micro figure set. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. And I, I took out my favorite. Well, Doctor Who, a show that has been on officially for 50 years. Unofficially. It was off for Whoa. a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> you can fudge the numbers a bit. It originally premiered just over 50 years ago. Yeah, let's put it that way. And so over that time, it has made social commentary on a lot of things, mostly political stuff, especially 
during the time of Tom Baker's era. There's a lot more political stuff, anti-Thatcher stuff. They did not like Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> oh, some of that has to do with the showrunners, especially like um, Barry yeah. Letts, who incidentally was a Buddhist, and you could see that influence on a lot of stories mm. like... Uh, Planet of the Spiders, where they're standing around, they're, they're chanting, oh, mom, mommy booked, something like that. Mm-hmm. They're they're chanting to bring the spiders from Metabilis 3 into our planet, and then the eight legs will take over. You know, this always happens in such things. You find giant spiders. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Smith tales and <laughs> defunct Superman movies. And, and apparently <laughs> uh, every every movie in the Lord of the Rings saga. <laughs> yes. So, going back all the way to the first Doctor, some of the, the first religious motifs we see is uh, in a story called the Aztecs, or the TARDIS crew lands in the heart of an Aztec temple, and Barbara is mistaken for a goddess, and uh, she's trying to get them to give up human sacrifice, and the Doctor says, you can't rewrite one line of history, not one bit. <laughs> Which is funny because uh, that's all was, they do. He was so young back then. <laughs> right, well, what's number one? The doctor lies, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, But it, it's kind of strange in this. He's actually defending the Aztecs and their, their way of life and their religion. And basically he's saying, you can't change this whole culture because it's going to change your whole history. Later, they kind of get around that by saying, oh, there's there's fixed points in time, but... It's interesting how you know he's def- he was defending like human sacrifice and that sort of thing later with other doctors. <laughs> Tom Baker's head just fell off. <laughs> yeah, uh, of his minifig, not in real life. Oh, <laughs> we'll see. This I I just assumed these were voodoo dolls since we were talking about Doctor Who and religion. <laughs> Well, speaking of Tom Baker, he had some interesting religious run-ins. Uh, like I, I just watched the Pyramids of Mars. Where he runs into Sutek. He's an ancient alien who goes by many names, uh, Set and Satan, and the Doctor banishes him to the Time Vortex at the end. But... Wait, are you saying a science fiction show posits that some of our earliest uh, theories about evil come from outer space? Hey, when? <laughs> well, that's completely original. I know. <laughs> well, you know, some people think that life here began out there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh it's John Kaza whatever his name is. Oh yeah. I'm not saying it was aliens. But it was aliens. Yes. Oh, this is very cool. Sorry, I'm holding the Tom Baker minifig with his sonic screwdriver and his head reattached. Have no yes. fear. They're like little Lego guy. They're the the company that makes the Doctor Who merch. It's their equivalent of Lego. It's very cool. Uh, that's a constant bit of debate in our house. Like, when is Lego going to come out with a TARDIS set? Or they're not. It's I'm... it's this is the best you're going to do. I think. I don't think there are any other. You have to import them, right? It's what is it? Well, these are readily available at Fye. I think character I, building. Yeah, I I also think that um I think my sister got this at Barnes and Noble, um because she said she got me a book there, uh but. I don't. I don't think this company. It says character building, and I think character is also the name of the company that makes the regular action figures and oh, okay. toys. Um, so I'm sure they have the license. I don't know if they have like a TARDIS set. Yeah, I'm sure you could make your own. I, you know, I've seen people yeah. do it. Yeah. But anyways, back to Satan. 
Doctor a- as as it rec- should be. <laughs> Doctor had a more recent run-in with the devil on the two-parter 10th Doctor episode, The Satan Pit and the Impossible Planet. So he has an interesting line there, which I think sums up the Russell T. Davies view on religion. The Doctor says, I, I acknowledge your existence, but not what you represent, or... Something something to that effect, like he doesn't want to admit that there's a higher spiritual power, but, okay, maybe there's evil, but not like this kind of incarnate on such a grand scale that, you know, he wants to think that he's the only one that solves the problem. And, and then in season three, Russell T. Davies proceeds to turn the doctor into Jesus. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> uh I know you have a problem with that, but well, let's talk about that a little bit. The, All right. The, it was the end of it was sort of a three part episode where the master yeah. came back, and there's the the angel network that he was tuning into. And go ahead. The resolution of the episode was that the the master for some reason turned the doctor incredibly old, and Martha got everyone in the world to believe in the doctor and to clap real loud and um, <laughs> think happy thoughts think happy thoughts <laughs> and he he didn't regenerate but he magically got young again yeah and he, was walking on a rainbow at one point yeah he he, he was he, he was floating and he had sort of magical powers or he yeah. could magic psychic powers he said cuz he tuned into the the what was ironically called the angel network a, a system of satellite set it it was all you know wibbly yeah. wobbly <laughs> it, 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 it was kind of a crazy ending to an otherwise halfway decent season yes a, a deus ex machina you would say yeah <laughs> there's more of those to come especially I, th- I think we really see a lot of religious reference in uh, the 11th doctor's tenure I mean right from the first line of the first episode where little Amy Pond um, the first words are her praying. And she says, Dear Santa, thank you for the presents and all that. But I really need some help. There's a crack in my wall, and it's making me scared. Could you please send a doctor or somebody? And, and mm-hmm. the doctor shows up. And I, I'll, I'll be presumptuous and, and make some conclusions. But I, th- I think in some areas of the world, especially in Great Britain and other parts of Europe, that um, God has become Santa Claus. You know, if you believe in God, it's it's um, you believe in someone out there somewhere who will do things for you if you're good enough, like help you win auto races and catch footballs. That's right. <laughs> Stay with me, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which episode did we talk about that? That was uh, that was another Christmas episode, yeah. I think. We to uh, talk about that Gusterson. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. It, there was another one. It was the Rings of Ascatine, which oh, that episode was terrible. It was <laughs> where uh, there was this little girl who's supposed to sing a song to tame this planet, and it didn't work. And he came alive and wanted to eat everybody or something. To me, it seemed like that was. It seemed more like a storyline for a great intelligence story that they rejected and just rejiggered <laughs> into just a regular story. Because if you look at the setup, like the, the scary guys who show up for no reason, kind of like the Yeti, and then there's like that big mummy dude who was there for no reason other than to be scary. Um, 
was was uh, supposed to like come to life and be controlled, and then there's the planet was supposed to be like the great intelligence. It's like they, well, this is kind of a good story, but it's not right for what we want. Well, let's just take the great intelligence out and put all the put all this other stuff in, and it, yeah, it'll work, and it really didn't. That's what it seemed to me. I'm making an I, assumption here about the creative process. I, I saw it once and proceeded to forget about it. It was just, yeah. I remember thinking it wasn't very good. Yeah. Well, there's a part at the beginning where they show up and the girl is singing and everyone's supposed to sing along and the doctor and uh, Clower are sitting there and they're kind of blah, 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 the words, you know, mm-hmm. like people who haven't been to church in a long time, <laughs> they kind of mumble their way through. That was kind of funny. But it was one of those things where the doctor was like, well, you know, they believe it and it's nice for them. It's that, again, that postmodern thinking. He's got his own rules and the universe at his fingertips. I mean, he's rebooted the universe and he's become the Jesus saving humanity. and Which kind of leads us to... The uh, next sort of bit of, of what Doctor Who means in real life to us today. The uh, last time I showed Mike a video um, that was on a PBS Idea Stream. Um, um, this guy posited that uh, Doctor Who itself is a religion. Yeah, so I, uh, about that? Uh, I I think uh, if you go into FYE, I think the person who does their purchasing might be a member of that religion. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> there is a lot of Doctor Who stuff at FYE now. Really? I have yeah. to go to FYE. <laughs> it, it's, it's like cheesy stuff, oh. um, like towels, and they don't have like action figures. or They've got mugs, travel mugs, um, yeah. clocks. Stuff like that, um, but but a lot of it. There's a place in Cuyahoga Falls called JC Comics, and they have a lot of really cool merch. They have a set with Cybermen and Daleks from from that episode. Oh, cool! Uh, they have a lot of action figures there, but like you know the cool ones like the Daleks and the Doctor. Those yeah. sell out really quick. Oh yeah. So all that's with, left like, is the silence. Yeah. Or the 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 gelf. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? I have seen those other places, yeah. Where is this? Um it's in Cuyahoga Falls on State Street, uh JC Comics. We might have to go yeah. when the weather's nicer. Uh have I Jared, my son, always wants me to go there because they have the mobile Gundam models that he likes to build. So yeah. He got lots of those for Christmas, so <laughs> but uh yeah I found this article uh it was uh, from a Twitter by the Jesuit Post it's Doctor Who is Religion uh written by a, a John Shea the Jesuits are sort of like the intellectual branch of the Catholic Church but he looks at this uh video by a guy named Mike Rognetta I think maybe we'll here let yeah, me put play a- this video Who is a religion? And for anyone who's worried, we promise this episode is spoiler-free. Doctor Who is a television show produced by the BBC. It stars the Doctor. Many people have played the Doctor, who is a Time Lord, which is an alien. He can travel through time. 
and space. He does this in a police call box, which is actually a spaceship. It's called the TARDIS, and along with him on his adventures to pretty much and literally everywhere and every when, he brings companions. People he happens upon, people who happen upon him, and to whom he takes a liking. And so they accompany him while time traveling through space. I see you're still with us. Good. One of the most interesting things about Doctor Who, other than all the alternate universes, the alien races, and the fact that the sonic screwdriver seems to be able to do just about anything, is the fan base, which is... <clears throat> Large. HUGE! The Doctor Who fandom, made up of Whovians, shares many characteristics with other fandoms. They have an awesome remix culture, dedicated cosplayers, tons of fan art, and of course, the occasional power struggle. But there is one thing that sets Whovians apart from all other fandoms. Whovianism might just be a religion. In the West, at least, most of us have this very specific idea that comes to mind when someone says religion, something that's decidedly not an English guy with an impossible chin. We tend to think of going to a big, nice building where someone tells you a story from a very old, important book about a powerful man in the sky. His son turns out to be pretty well-liked, having H-E-double hockey sticks the whole nine yards. But religion doesn't begin and end with big dudes in the sky. There are thousands of religions with origins and customs miles apart that exist and have existed throughout the world. Buddhism, for example, emphasizes the ideas not of a god or prophet, but a teacher and philosopher. Hinduism is a monist religion that also supports polytheism, pantheism, and even atheism. And the Baha'i faith, with almost 8 million followers, believes in the unity not only of all humanity as one race, but also all religions. The anthropologist Clifford Geertz defined religion as a system of symbols which acts to establish powerful, pervasive, and long-lasting moods and motivations in men by formulating conceptions of a general order of existence. This general order is another way of saying cosmology, a method for understanding the universe. It's a way of answering the biggest and most intimidating questions like, why does evil exist? What do we do about it? And what is humanity's purpose? So whatever the differences between all of the world's religions, they all provide this one very important thing. But as it turns out, so might Doctor Who. So while DW is just a television show, it, more than many other television shows, has a strong and complete set of symbols which can sort of Voltron into a cosmology a universal cosmology that covers the universe, literally. For starters, the Doctor is, in effect, a supernatural force of capital G, good, and he's known throughout time and space. He loves humanity and is invested in their success. He fights alongside them and is their sworn protector. He provides humanity agency in a larger universe and is provided agency by them. To the Daleks, who are essentially evil incarnate, his nemesis, he is the destroyer of worlds, the thing most threatening, most terrifying. The Doctor is, or could be, anywhere, at any point. He keeps tabs, acts as a universal arbiter, and can be called upon in times of need. He travels with and teaches his companions, upon whom he has profound effects, both positive and negative. He shows them the beginning of the universe, the end. He answers questions humanity never could. And while the Doctor does provide humanity with new experiences, like children, we provide him the opportunity to view super space timey stuff anew. His is a philosophy that values experience above everything else. Add to this the fact that his death and regeneration are a constant theme, that the TARDIS is in effect an architectural manifestation of all of his abilities and beliefs, and the fact that whatever the Doctor's true name is, it is never spoken. I heard it's and this particular mythos and collection of symbols really begins to coalesce into what Geertz might call a general order. Okay, but there is tons of media that features heroic figures, evildoers that postulates origins of the universe. Why aren't I making an episode about how Prometheus is a religion? Easy, because Prometheus was bad. 
Nah, just kidding. It's because of the fans. Sociologist Emil Durkheim said that it is in the midst of effervescent social environments and out of this effervescence itself that the religious idea seems to be born. And if effervescent doesn't describe the Who fandom, I don't know what does. Now, let me be clear. I don't think that people are gonna start building callbox-shaped shrines if they haven't already. Or that Whovians are gonna start intoning wibbly wobbly timey rhymey as some kind of invocation. And I don't think that everyone in the Who fandom is like suddenly a missionary. You can be an atheist scientist Whovian. Those cosmologies are not mutually exclusive. What I do believe though is that the media we consume, especially in 2012 o'clock, double plus impacts our worldview. Even more so than whatever actual religion, if any, you were raised with. Unless you were raised Jedi in which case I don't really know what to say. Take a look around Tumblr or other parts of the internet. The number of people who have been deeply affected by the doctor is not insignificant. Fans say things like, and I quote here, the doctor gives me a reference point for my own life and my own ethics. So while Doctor Who is a television show, its cosmology is certainly as clear as say, Scientology's, if not a little clearer, though they do both involve a lot of aliens. Doctor Who explicitly encourages exploration, evidence, do-goodery, collaboration. It shows, sometimes through the Doctor's own struggles with morality, that while responsibility is hard, especially in the face of universally heaped time-altering suckitude, that's also how you learn and grow. And if it doesn't work out, you'll probably just regenerate. I'm sure Robert will have a link in the uh, website to, yeah. to so you can watch it instead of just listening to it. Yeah, I have this article for the Jesuit Post, uh, which has the video embedded in it. It's really cool. But anyways, as we just heard, he said uh, there's three parts to this definition of religion. And so many people have so many different definitions of religion. You kind of have to pick one and sort of go with it. So he picked this one by Clifford Geertz. It's like the religion is a system of symbols which, uh, number two, acts to establish powerful, persuasive, and long-lasting moods and motivations in men by, number three, formulating conceptions of a general order of existence. Yeah, this would include such things as Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Confucianism, but you, you might also say it encompasses such things as communism, capitalism this this definition seems a little too broad which if you're i guess if you're going to say doctor who's a religion you need a broad definition. yeah yeah <laughs> i i like the show but not that much yeah i uh, i mean do you pray to doctor who no i don't i, I don't pray to santa claus either like little amy pond did but <laughs> it, um, to to be fair she was eight yeah and if you're not taught the right thing and you don't know, you kind of go with what you're given. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think it's assumed here in America that Christianity is is handed down. It's just learned, and it's it really isn't. Not even in the churches anymore. We're doing a uh, sort of a worse job of teaching people the the tenets of Christianity. So. Uh, you know, like really good theology. So when people are asked about God, and they have more of this idea of Santa Claus or Doctor Who, or you know, even in the 50th anniversary episode, uh, the one girl, the the sister of um, the lady who was running uh, unit, her her sister, the who was wearing the 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 Tom Baker scarf the whole episode. I don't think that was her sister. I think she was. I just think an it was. No. no, I think it was her sister. No. The, the the brigadier's daughter as well. But anyways, she was saying, the doctor will save us, the doctor will save us, you know. It was like her mantra every time 
you know, Zygon showed up or something bad happened. The doctor will save us. The doctor will save us. Uh, I, I don't know. You think people do that in real life? No. I, I don't either. <laughs> I, so. I'd also, I, I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity to point out that England is also the country that lets you put Jedi as your religion on the census. So maybe there are people who claim Time Lordian as their religion. <laughs> Gallifreyan. Gallif- yeah. The they... praying Gallifreyans. They <laughs> go to the, the church of the papal mainframe? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was just in the... the what? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting them confused. We had... The name of the doctor, then the day of the doctor, and now the time of the doctor was and, the very last episode we saw a few days ago. And don't forget the night of the doctor was the mini episode with Paul McGann. Yes, which I think was my favorite of the bunch. Yes. <laughs> it's just seeing him again. Yeah. And seeing him regenerate, just seeing an end to his story. And there are some things he said in there which made relevant and almost canonized all like the audio adventures yes he gives a shout out to all his uh, audio companions uh, charlie karis lucy yeah and there's a, a couple more that i i haven't been able to listen to but yeah you, you almost have to study doctor who with and a it religious does, fervor there's the, so much to delve into yeah the, the books the audio books 50 years of television episodes um, over 800 now yeah don't forget video games Oh, and the video games, oh. too. So, yeah, you, you have to delve into these things with... There's so much. Yeah. Uh, and and throw in the comics. Oh. I mean, there are... I, I guess you'd say... Tie-in novels. I read a few tie-in novels. I read... Uh, and when I say tie-in novels, I don't just mean the ones based on episodes, which exist. I read one of those. It was a Dalek one that wasn't available. Which... Uh, it was a third Doctor one, something about time travel and... Oh, uh, I think de- that was... Destiny of the... No. I think it was um, Death to the Daleks. It was either Death to the Daleks no. or Day of the Daleks. It might, have been, it might have been Day of the Daleks. Day it was a third Daleks. Doctor yeah. one. And they're in a house. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Day of the Daleks, uh, yeah. Uh, With the Ogrons. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I read that because it wasn't on DVD when I read it. I, it I'm sure it is by now. It is. And... It is. Uh, well, uh, what they did was they they made a special edition where they put in better special effects and uh, then Nicholas the, then, Briggs than the novel. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Nicholas Briggs uh, redubbed the the Dalek voices because they were really bad. Oh, they hadn't had Daleks for quite some time, like since the second Doctor at that. So the production team had no idea how to go about oh talking or you know acting like Daleks at all. So it was really really bad. So they they improved it greatly on the. Okay, I might edition. have to I might have to break down and actually watch that one. Yeah. Then again, the uh, local library's got it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. System. Yeah. Um. So I've I've read some of the like spinoff novels. Um. And those are okay. Like the. The tenth, eleventh. Yeah, tenth, tenth, and eleventh. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a whole series of Target books. And then after the show went off the air, Virgin started putting out like the new adventures, which take were seventh and eighth Doctor books, and oh, it's you can devote. Anyway, our 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 point is, you can make Doctor Who your religion. Yeah, you can. You can. But why? <laughs> yeah, because some of it's not that good. Yeah, a lot of it is. I mean, there's some standout things, but yeah, there's there's in fifty years worth of stuff. There's a lot of cheese yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, just do what I did. 
in 2009, when David Tennant was only doing the five specials leading up to his regeneration, I went back and I, I went online and I looked at what people recommended as like gateways to the classic doctors and just stuck to those. I did not try to watch every single episode like <laughs> certain other people at my kitchen table did. I just I picked and chose and just watched some of the better ones and and I'm okay with that. And to bring this back around, maybe that's how religion should be too. Yeah. Keep the stuff about loving your neighbor and forgiveness and charity and lose the stuff about hating gay people and not wearing two kinds of cloth and uh, not getting tattoos and um, keeping slaves. Cause that stuff's ridiculous. Don't ignore, ignore that from the Bible. Yeah. Just the Jesus stuff is good. And this is um, liberalism in, in Christianity. They want to throw out any kind of talk of judgment. Any, any, well, yeah. any they want to throw out you know whole books of the Bible that talk about that. Okay, but that's that's part of God's character. It's part of the way He revealed. I mean, no, part, some part dude wrote need, that and decided it, and it stuck. Well, part of, part of our need for Jesus is because you know God is. I I prefer to believe in a God that is uh, judgmental, because then there's justice. He he might not be fair because what he did to Jesus wasn't fair. Jesus was innocent, but he carried out the judgment of God. God's judgment, his wrath, which should have been poured out on us, was poured out on Christ. So he paid the price. Well, no, that wasn't that wasn't wrath or judgment. That was a sacrifice. Yeah, that was a sacrifice. That's not the same thing. No, Jesus made the sacrifice, and God poured his wrath upon Christ. There's a whole no. I never, I never saw it like that. I always saw it like God was offering up Jesus as a sacrifice, like Abraham. Yeah, that's not wrath. Well, he he's mad at us. He's mad at us. He for... created us. It's his own fault. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> now we're getting into the, into the problem of evil. So, you see, it's 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 these things. They don't always make sense, but that's because God is awesome. Right. It doesn't make sense. That's what I've been. I converted Robert. All right. I win. <laughs> Woo! It's not supposed to make sense. God is mysterious. And Doctor Who, I think, represents a lot of us. And I think maybe he represents you where things have to make sense for him. And, and he finds a universe where everything sort of makes sense. Like Sherlock Holmes, he, he always gets to the heart of the problem and solves it. Like, my sister was always scared of Doctor Who, watching it as we were growing up as kids. And I never was because I knew the Doctor was going to figure it out. Mm. My faith was firmly in the doctor's corner because I knew he was going to figure it out. He was going to make sense of it all. He was going to find the rational explanation. But in, in, in real life, there's, we don't often figure things out. There's not always a rational explanation. And things are mysterious, and we're not always given the answer we want. Sometimes we're not given an answer at all. And that's the way God reveals himself to us in the Bible. I mean, look at Job. Job never gets an answer. Um, Jonah, he gets an answer, but not the one he, he wants. <laughs> um, so that's that's how I see it. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so apparently, uh, do, do you have any other final thoughts? I, I think we've... Uh, Doctor uh, Who's a nice show. I'll keep watching it. 
Um, I hope that Stephen Moffat hands the baton to Mark Gattis soon because I'd rather see Gattis I'd, as a showrunner. I'd like to see some uh, executive producer regeneration. <laughs> yeah. It was great when Stephen Moffat was writing one or two episodes a year because then we were getting Blink and The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. Yeah. And now we're getting the, the name of the Doctor. Yeah, the... the... <laughs> Yeah, the the last episode, the time of the Doctor, it was a mishmash. That should have been like three episodes. And oh was, no, Tammy said it should have been forty five minutes. Yeah, my my wife was watching it and said, yeah, he didn't need to be old for that long. Yeah, that that could have been a a, a cutaway, and she didn't use the word cutaway, but you know he they could have trimmed about fifteen minutes from that. Had it been a regular forty five minute episode, and it wouldn't have lost anything. Yeah. They could have thrown out several plot elements. Yeah. And made it straightforward. The, the, the wooden Cybermen. Yeah. That didn't need to be in there. That could have that been was a, a whole, gag. That could have been a whole episode, you know? No, he, it could. he throws away all the stuff with the Cybermen. Like, what was the one? I think it was the the Demon's Run, or that one, where they were trying to find Amy, and they show up on the, the Cybermen armada, and the Doctor blows half of it up, and... Rory standing there asking him, "Where's my wife?" You know mm-hmm. that could have been that should have been a whole episode right there, and it was a throwaway at the beginning of the episode. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And then all of a sudden, all the stuff where he, they introduced uh, Vastra and Strax and all those those should have been episodes. And they you get these little quick vignettes like, "Oh, yeah. here are these characters. Where did they come from? Why should we care about them?" Yeah. In the last episode, the, the he had his little Wilson there. Yeah. Handles. Handles. <laughs> And and then he dies, and we don't care. And I was like, oh, poor Wilson. I'm sorry, Wilson. And it's like, when Russell T. Davies was stealing the, the one with the space Titanic, the Voyage of the Damned, that was a total ripoff of the Poseidon Adventure. But it was still good. It was a straightforward story. It's all, it's it's all, all right. over yeah. the place. Yeah. So I do not, let's put it this way, I, I have faith in the doctor, but I have no faith in Stephen Moffat. <laughs> put Mark Gaddis in charge, please. He has uh, better stories, he's a better writer. I think um, if he takes over in the Peter Capaldi era, it could be really great. I, I will say this. At least it doesn't seem like Stephen Moffat is deliberately trying to run it into the ground like John Nathan Turner was. Yeah, he was. I mean, question marks on the lapels. Come, yep. come on. <laughs> yep. Celery. Celery! Yeah. The entire Sixth Doctor era. Yeah. They started to bring it back with the Seventh Doctor. I mean, yeah. they got a new team in there that was going to take over. But by then, then it was it, yeah. it was too little too late. Yeah. And I, I've said this to a couple uh, people. Having watched the classic Doctor Who during the off year that we got a few years ago, it was clear to me that they were not interested in any kind of updating or keeping with the times. And the, the example I give people is... The final episode of Doctor Who aired in December of 1989. The Best of Both Worlds Part 1 of Star Trek The Next Generation aired five months later. And the difference in quality is just staggering. It is. It really is. <laughs> they're still doing, like, CSO overlays. and Yeah. Just um, They weren't even trying. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a budget concern or just they just didn't care. I think or it, both. it never, it, <laughs> you know, it, they had to have seen Star Trek The Next Generation. They had to have. Yeah. They, they <laughs> and I th- that's why they canceled it, because the guy said Doctor Who is rubbish. But instead of... Instead of making it not rubbish, which was entirely within their power. Yeah. As, as much of a... 
a travesty as it was and how much it could have been so much better. The the Doctor Who movie with Paul McGann was light years ahead of the yes. last episode. It's there. it's a terrible plot, but it's fun to see how it connects the old series and the new series because there are clearly elements of both yeah. in it. And it's it's nice that the new series didn't just throw all of that out. They threw most of it out, but yeah. there's still some influences there. Yeah. All right, I let's <laughs> we could That's, go on, yeah, and on and down, on. down a rat hole, but we've yes. gone on long enough, and most of this is going to get cut anyway. <laughs> so, all right, next month, uh, I apologize. Killer clowns from outer space and the Golden <laughs> Girls. No, but close. Okay, close. The Gerard Butler feature, Machine Gun Preacher, which is available on Netflix and apparently nowhere else because I'd never heard of it before Robert mentioned it. <laughs> It was one of those things that I think it came and went in theaters. Whatever happened to Gerard Butler? He was supposed to be the next big thing. And then it He never... was, and then somebody else took over as the, <laughs> the next he as the subsequent big thing. Oh, okay. Cuz he kind of Gerard Butler was in The Phantom of the Opera, which Robert didn't even know. <laughs> yes, yeah. they made a Phantom of the Opera movie and then cheaped out on the casting. Really? Yeah. Gerard uh, Butler was the Phantom. Patrick Wilson is Raul. Oh. He's okay, but right. he's Patrick Wilson, so it's <laughs> not very exciting. I don't have anything for TV Corner. We're running out of TV shows. How is that possible? I don't know. There's there's uh... there's like zillions of... <laughs> yeah. You want to do Sleepy Hollow? We could. I have to. I, have to I watch think it. it uh, yeah, me too. I watched the first episode, two episodes, and didn't really care for it. It's really popular, and I don't know why, because it seemed kind of crappy. I don't know. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it picks up as it goes on. So. Maybe I don't know. Well, we'll give it a try. We'll. All right. Tentatively, TV Corner will be Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, if we can get through it, because <laughs> I guess you could find it on Hulu. I suppose. Yeah, the, it the might CW. be. They might have some. No, Fox. Fox. Yeah, okay. Fox. It seems like a CW show to me. I guess because I'm thinking Supernatural. Maybe. We are never doing Supernatural. No. 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 That, it's it's the same thing as like Lost Girl or Grimm. It, it's yeah. just sort of like a fairy tale sort of thing with with good looking people. Yes, with very good looking people. Although, so is Sleepy Hollow. Maybe that's why you thought it was on the CW. <laughs> it, it took a mishmash of uh, a, a classic American ghost story, supernatural elements, and pretty people. And yeah, they put it on Fox. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to see it. Does it have a soap opera plot like the CW shows? A little bit. Yeah. His his wife is a witch who's ended up in purgatory. Oh. Yeah. Well... I look forward to watching that. No, you don't. <laughs> Clancy Brown's in it. The first episode, right? Uh, he shows up again in the second one. Okay. But. <laughs> he, he, doesn't he go the way of... He, the... he suffers a familiar fate. <laughs> of his, uh, his Highlander character. Yeah, there, and, and I, when, I, when I heard about because I, I heard about it, the reason I watched the first episode was because I heard him on a podcast... And I guess in the trailer for the show, said familiar fate is revealed. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking to myself, there can be only one episode that he's in. <laughs> That's right. 
But he's uh, in the second one. He's he's at least in the second one, and I don't know if he's in he's later in flashback ones. form. Yeah. So it's going to really big star, kill him off, and then bring him back every he's once in a while for a, flashback. He's not a really big star. He is he's... Mr. Krabs of <laughs> SpongeBob. <laughs> Which I didn't know until I, I saw him. I heard him on the podcast. He's a huge star. All right, enough rambling. <laughs> Let's... We'll, we'll end our random and nonsensical yes. here. And uh, until next time, you can uh, catch us on our website, ctgpodcast.com. You can go to Facebook and Twitter and find us there uh, at CTG Podcast. Uh, Mike, what's your Twitter handle? At Michael M. Patty. And uh, you can also send us an email at uh, ctgpodcast at yahoo.com. And until then, this is Robert saying keep the faith. And Mike saying peace out.